As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. The games of the 32nd Olympiad in 2020 are awarded to the city of Tokyo. Japan, Canada, Great Britain, Chile. And whites! Brilliant! China, Brazil, Zambia, the Netherlands. What a goal from Sweden, USA, Australia, New Zealand. And Sweden are taking Team USA apart here in Tokyo. Hello and welcome to the Offside Rule Olympics edition. Joining me on the show, former Matilda and now broadcaster for Optus Sports, Alicia Ferguson. Hi, Alicia. G'day, how are you? Alrighty, and CoCom's legend, editor of She Kicks magazine, it's Jen O'Neill. Hi, Jen. Yeah, I'll read. We're doing colloquialisms, aren't we? <laughs> Hiya, you all right? Yes, fine. Um, I need a nickname for Jen, please, Alicia. Um, Alicia's firmly bedded herself in on this Olympic show oh, as that's... the lady to provide all the nicknames. So what are we going with for Jen? Oh, geez, that's such a Neely? tough one. You put me on the... Nearly, oh, nearly, oh, nearly. Yeah. Well, it was O'Neilly, wasn't it, for Australia today? Awful joke, sorry. But not to be. USA won the bronze after defeating Australia 4-3. Corner then from uh, the left-hand side here. Sent in and it's gone right in, hasn't it? It is the opening goal for the United States. Megan Rapinoe right from the corner. Now she can uh, release Kurt. And that's found its way in. That ball is sent in early. Not convincing. And Rapino, superb finish. On the side of an equaliser from Sam Kerr for Australia. Inside here to... Well, that's just more quality, isn't it? Carly Lloyd puts the gloss on a wonderful first half performance here from the United States of America with their third goal. Ball now here in the form of Simon, who is in for the header. And that's one back. Running on with it, Kerr, and that's from distance, and what a strike that is! Unbelievable hit from Emily Gielnik. And it is all over. They have done it. The United States of America seal the bronze medal. 
Well, it was goals, goals, goals as the USA finally awoke from their Olympic slumber and Australia did all they could to hit back. With a medal at stake and Megan Rapinoe knocking in some absolute buttes, it was the USA who had just that bit too much for the Matildas. The drama continued all the way to the final whistle. 4-3 the final score and USA leave Japan with a bronze medal. So, Alicia, let's go to you first of all. Um, It was just... Do you know, it was just great to see both teams having a go. And it was also nice to see Vintage USA, wasn't it? It was, as a, well, I mean, I'm not a neutral. I'm a Matildas fan. But it was such an entertaining game. It was so open. The distances between players and from front to back were huge, which just made it end-to-end. It was going from one side to the other, a bit like a tennis match. But... You know, it was an entertaining game and I, I think the Aussie girls gave a really good account for themselves. A bit of a shame, you know, a few soft goals in there. and But it was. It was really nice to see two players that we're not going to see at the Olympics anymore and Carly Lloyd and Megan Rapino step up. You can't definitively say that though, can you? Because judging by today's performance, there's only three years to wait until the next one. So there yeah. we go. Oh, yeah, I, I, I tend to probably disagree. I think they definitely need to start transitioning to younger players. So I, I'm highly doubtful that we're going to see them in Paris. Jen, what did you make of this one? Yeah, it was just a nice sort of mood change from the caginess of the semi-finals, And it was back to that vibe of the group games where it was just all craziness. Apart from, obviously, the US, USA, Australia. Australia game. game. <laughs> so, so I liked how this saved all of the goals for this match. But, you know, it's... Defending was kind of non-existent, and it yeah, it was it it was exciting. Um, you say vintage USA. I don't think that vintage USA wants to concede three goals. No, that's true. That is it's very, very true. uncharacteristic, and and I think that is partly the the big worry throughout the tournament. I, I love Tiana Davidson as a player. I think she's a, a great prospect, but I think she's been found out a couple of on a couple of occasions. If you look at most she of the goals, she did that first goal, Jen, didn't she? That yeah, first goal, you, yeah. Bad pass. Um, you know, it's really unfair to pick her out for the, the semi-final, the, the trip. It was a tough yeah. call on the penalty, but it was a foul. Even in the group games, occasionally she, she was to blame for some. So there are there are things to be to be sorted out for them. And I doubt that Lloyd will be back. I doubt Rapino will be back. They do have young players coming through the US, but I'm worried about what happens when Judy Ertz stops. Well, I don't see anybody naturally stepping into that defensive midfield position which mm. is so important for the way the US play. It's quite nice though isn't it that they're actually mere mortals now. I mean they've always been mere mortals but it, it's it's nice to actually see not their decline I, I guess but just you know for so long for so long they've been such a difficult team to break down and really difficult to score against as well so you know, it's like it's nice to see some of those weaknesses and opportunities for other teams to exploit. Yeah, even at twenty nineteen though, that some of the the games that they won, it was just the, it was the finest of margins. The game yeah. against France, I mean, France really should have beaten them in Paris, and it was an incredible atmosphere. And it, so, somehow they managed to get through, even against England. There was some, you know, well, they have somebody a knack scores of a penalty, that, don't they? Exactly, yeah. but yeah. they had a knack. Yes. <laughs> and now other teams have got that knack, and it's quite refreshing, as Ish says. Well, if we're looking ahead to the legacy. And um, there's a chat with Meg Linehan coming up kind of all about this. But I think you're right, Jen, in picking out Juliet and potentially defensively. They've got some exciting players up front to come through. I don't think that's where their problem is. It's going to be at the back, isn't it? And it was the same for Australia in this game um, as well. Uh, Ish, they really, really missed Ellie Carpenter, didn't they? 
Yeah, it was a real shame. And poor Alana Kennedy is probably going to look back on this game. She just, didn't have you know, a great you game. Have those, no, you have these moments as a player, right, where you try and close your eyes at night and then you just cringe and it makes you feel a bit sick. Um, and I think Alana will probably be, you know, pretty disappointed with some of her errors in this game, which was a real shame. But, um, but yeah, it, I think on performance, you know, yeah, we did miss Ellie. She had an outstanding tournament, as did Hayley Rasso. I think so many of our players, I'm really proud of them, actually stood up and I, even I was extremely critical of them and, and Tony's tactics, you know, coming in and after those couple of heavy defeats. But with every game, they've gotten stronger and they've been more cohesive and I think him turning Hayley Rasso into a wing back has been a stroke of genius. And and credit to Hayley for taking on that role and throwing herself into it wholeheartedly because she's done an exceptional job. Yeah. Jen, the resilience of Australia has really shone through on this one, even when they're subject to an amazing uh, goal from Megan Rapino, straight in from a corner kick, Olympico extraordinaire. I mean, even 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 when the tempo of this game is obviously changed, it didn't stop them coming back and back, even in the final dying minutes for Emily Gilnick to uh, find that space and get a great, great strike in. And I think that they're to be applauded for that. It, it, it must be so easy for teams, well, we've seen it before, teams to crumble under the confidence and under the momentum of USA. But Australia didn't do that today. Yeah, well, Carly Lloyd took her goal just before half time, brilliantly and who knew mm. at that time that it was going to be so crucial because if he doesn't get that then when the Matildas do come back at them in the second half and it sounds like rhetoric just to say never say die but they actually put that out on the pitch every time they play um, there's so much to look forward to for Australia I, I'm, I, I'm looking at it from the outside and sort of slightly coldly you say well this was them looking towards the 2023 World Cup it, you know this is a bonus for them and the experience they've gained from this has been phenomenal to be at those cutting edge games and you know the motivation that they'll probably get from from the, this loss it will be huge going forward and advert to the Australian public to get behind them at a big tournament at, at home is is also invaluable. So, yeah, they're hurting for them now, but they will look back on this as a as a real sort of milestone, a progression point, which will kick them on for the future. Hopefully, I yeah. just wish. And I agree with you there, Jen, because I I think this is the the difference we talk about this winning mentality, and I think even today's game we probably showed a little bit of that. We still need to improve on that winning mentality because we did allow goals to be scored against us we did make mistakes did the occasion slightly overawe us possibly but as you say it is all experience for them because we need to keep playing in these big games so it just becomes another football match which is what the USA have done so well over so many years it's nothing about the occasion it's just about winning that match I got an interesting message from a mate of mine who used to work with Bev Priestman in New Zealand and is now based in Australia. She said that what I love about this is that I'm watching my players in Australia are watching this game, but they're also seeing what world class is. So, mm. so they're they're cheering on the Matildas, but they're seeing the difference between, you know, what the Matildas are at and what it took to to step above them to win that game. But at the same time, they're knackered. I think we have to keep in acknowledging. They this did look an, a bit tired, Australia. I thought they, actually of both sides. I think so. And you know what? And it's not. Sorry to bust in there, but and I say this all the time. It's not just the physical fatigue. It's the emotional and mental Absolutely. fatigue as well. Getting up for all these games and once you get into knockout stages, it is an emotionally draining process. And I think, yeah, that that's where, again, that experience is fantastic for us, going deep in a tournament, playing lots of minutes, being heavy in the legs. 
Um, it's yeah, it's been absolute quality to watch. As we said, their resilience that they just kept going. You know, Sam, that header goes in off the bunk, off the post. Yes, maybe a bit more of a day. You know, that was like it was inches away, and I was oh. I was going to say the work rate and. Um attitude and movement still of, of Caitlin Ford and Samka even towards the end was incredible I mean yeah. really absolutely incredible and I've said this again Jen this is where I think in previous tournaments because our players have gone from a northern hemisphere to a southern hemisphere league and they've traveled the whole world now they're all based in Europe and they're at one club they just look fresher we've always mm. been fit and I think that's taken another step up but we've gone into tournaments just absolutely knackered so we start really strongly and then on every game in about 60 minutes, we just flag and just really start yeah. struggling. And and I think that's, that is down. You think the amount of miles and kilometres that these those players used to travel, but now having that base in Europe is a, is a massive game changer for me. So many goals at this tournament. This is the eighth game at the tournament to have six goals or more. Thanks to Rich Leverty for that one. I'm not sure what the stat is for seven goals or more. Uh, but let's run through the goals quickly. And I want you each to pick your favourite one. Uh, the Mega Rapino goal, eight minutes curling straight in from a corner kick. Then I've written vintage Sam Kerr, lovely stuff. 17 minutes, Caitlin Ford to Sam Kerr. That brilliant combination that Jen, you've mentioned already then on 21 minutes the amazing volley from pino uh utterly brilliant uh, alana kennedy failing to clear it there uh then you've got carly lloyds as we said uh, in uh injury time first half assist from haran then carly lloyd again header to take it to 4-1 then caitlin ford's header 4-2 on 54 minutes and uh, that's where it stayed for quite a while until added on time uh, for full time. So 90 plus one, Emily Gilnick, uh, who, as I said, found that space and uh, great strike to take it into the corner of the net. Choose your favourite, please, Jen O'Neill. Uh, I think mine is Lloyd's, the, the first one, as I said. It was just that Haran dispossesses Simon, just so strong, and then just feeds it through to Lloyd. And it's the take on one touch and then shooting across, just perfect placement, just brilliant. I mean, it was just seamless and absolutely world class. I, and, and at the same time, I loved Gilnick's goal at the end because 4-3 is so much better than 4-2. Yes. I know it, it probably <laughs> doesn't feel like it right now, but when you look back on it, it does. And and it was a way to, to finish on a bit of a high-ish rather than on yeah. a, a flat note. Uh, Carly Lloyd's become the USA's all-time top scorer, beating that record set by Abby Wambach. Um, and that's with her. So how many is she on? 128 goals, I think she is now. Uh, anyway, it is I, a lot. I had, I had five in my career. She's got 128. <laughs> <laughs> what a legend. <laughs> Favourite goal, please, Nish. Um, look, I can't, even though there are exception goal, uh, exceptional goals for the US, I have to choose an Aussie goal. I really am. Um, I'm actually going to choose Caitlin Ford's goal because I thought she had an exceptional game. But also, that header was quite difficult. She was a decent way out. It was kind of, she had to crick her net to get back and behind it to get power on it to put it into close to the top corner I thought technically that was an excellent goal and as I said I thought Caitlin played really well and has had a fantastic tournament um and it was great you know for her winning that ball back for Sam Kerr's goal and then setting up Sammy as well is there an Australia player who has stated their case now Alicia to be a permanent part of that side is there anyone who's who you were a bit indifferent about before but are now thoroughly convinced by? 
I wasn't indifferent, but I was still just a bit um, hesitant about Haley in that wing back position, just because I, you know, she had a torrid time against Germany and the Netherlands, but she, I think, has been one of our players of the tournament. And and so that that was a concern for me, you know, in those wide areas. But she absolutely smashed it out of the park, and I'm so proud of her for that because it's not an easy position to to get right and to perfect. It's a lot of work. It's very difficult, and you know, for someone that's such an attack-minding player, she's had to change her whole way of thinking, and I think she's adapted to it tremendously. And Alicia, just a final one for you, really, being a former Matilda. Obviously, knowing how this tournament would have gone down at home as well and what it does for the future of Australian women's football. As you mentioned on a previous podcast, it is the number one team sport over there. But what does this mean for the future? I think this just means we're inspiring more young girls to play football. I think, you know, there's a lot of competition for sport in Australia. We have a lot of sports, but... For these girls to be the role models for young girls, you know, if I think when I was growing up and my role models as footballers were males, that's all changed now. They've got the Sammy Kerr jerseys. They've got the Caitlin Ford jerseys, the Tamiki Allops. I love that. And and it means that our depth of talent will only continue because I think there has been a bit of a stumbling block in our depth and we definitely need to address that. But I think now this is gonna, we're going to see a huge spike in participation and I'm excited for the future. Athletic podcast listeners and especially fans of the Totally Football Show, here's some exciting news if you're that way inclined. The Totally Football Yearbook is the definitive chronicle of the not particularly easy to say 2020-2021 season and it will look absolutely ravishing on your bookshelf. It'll have features, season reviews, stats, quizzes and plenty more, plus a foreword from Jamie Carragher and lots of the good stuff from your favourite athletic writers, including Nick Miller, Rafa Honigstein and James Horncastle and people like Daniel Storey, Duncan Alexander and Julian Laurent from Team Totally. The Totally Football Yearbook is out on August the 5th and you can pre-order your copy wherever you get your books today. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Well, speaking of legacy, the USA will be having some serious conversations, I'm sure. Uh, maybe not right away, but definitely in the next six to 12 months about where their team goes. I had a great chat to Meg Linehan, women's football writer at The Athletic, about where this tournament leaves the USA. Well, here for the USA Perspective, Meg Linehan, women's football writer for The Athletic. Meg, so nice of the USA to turn up at this tournament. (laughs) I feel like there's going to be so much frustration that it only happened today, right? And even today, I I mean, to be fair, this game was all vibes, no defense on both sides. But I would rather them actually like have the adjustment, even if it is in the final game, than not see it at all. Yeah, so, because if you hadn't seen it, then there would have been a lot of serious questions asked, right? But yeah, I mean, exactly. it was total retro. I mean, World Cup 2019, we can go back further than that as well, especially starting with Rapino, starting with Lloyd as well. So I think my big question would be, it's amazing seeing these players play as we know that they can do. But 
where does this leave Team USA? I mean, a bronze medal, great. But, you know, ultimately, where are the questions? What are they going to be? I mean, I think there's going to be a lot of questions out of this yeah. entire tournament because, <laughs> you know, obviously the defensive effort was just, I mean, the fact that they allowed that many goals, right? There's going to be a lot of stuff in terms of execution from players, in terms of coaching and tactical decisions made. Like, I, I still think all of this reflection is going to happen, but now it at least, uh, it might not feel as painful <laughs> because they yeah. did get a win today. But I think it gives maybe a little, hopefully a little bit more patience. I think that has been where my head has been at since the loss to Canada is that that's going to be a large project that is not going to have a solution by tomorrow morning, right? That is yeah. a that is a large project where you know that you've now got a full cycle ahead of you. And to be fair, we're going to get now essentially not necessarily a victory tour, right? But there are going to be post-Olympics games with this particular roster, and so we've actually got a little bit of time before the the actual project of the next cycle starts. Yeah. It's not going to be until later in the year. So you get maybe a little bit of breathing room. You can maybe fine tune some of the smaller stuff and actually take the time to go back and look at the bigger picture and say, what did not work at all? Because it's very clear that there are major things kind of in terms of the approach or what the team values in terms of roster, in terms of tactical shifts, you know, all of that yeah. kind of stuff. Like, How do we quantify it? I mean, has anyone sort of pinned down how Vlatko is significantly different to Jill Ellis? I had a, you know, question about the amount of, you know, space that, that, that sort of players didn't, didn't, didn't seem to be finding the amount of space that they used to under Jill Ellis. But has anyone kind of, you know, done anything much more technical than I can in terms of direct comparison between how, how he's working with the team and how Jill was working with the team technically? I mean, I think it's really interesting because everything we had heard previous to this Olympics was really, I mean, players were really enjoying <laughs> their time with Vlako and Donofsky. I mean, I've spent a lot of time with this team, at least pre-pandemic, right? And I remember being at CONCACAF qualifying for the Olympics and players were raving that they were getting individual development that they hadn't gotten and they were feeling freer in his system, even though I think the system was doing slightly different things than what was happening with Jill Ellis, right? And then, of course, like you get to the Olympics and that system that we keep seeing, like that high press for the first 15 minutes, right? Like complete go, go, mm, go. Mm. That didn't really happen no. <laughs> until today. Today. <laughs> so it but it's is like be... he's gone back to kind of it's 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 almost like he said to the players, okay, you know what you're doing, you do it. And and I can I, I mean I'm sure that she doesn't have this weight, but I, I can I, I wasn't surprised to see Megan Rapino start or or Carly Lloyd start as if they've come in and said, Right, dude. Can you just let us play our game, please? Yeah, and they've I mean, gone it's... out to prove a point. I, I, I mean, I know that that's not what happens, but that's the kind of story writer in me, you know, has basically made up a whole TV episode <laughs> yeah. about what happened before the game. I mean, even before the team left for Japan, though, I think that was kind of the whole point of the roster. I mean, even when the roster was named, right? Like when we heard from Vlako and Anofsky, when we heard from some of these other players, the whole 
point of being this conservative with the roster was you had a, a team full of players who have lived through Olympic tournaments, have lived through World Cups, and know the mental and physical demands of it and know how to manage the highs and lows. And so I think that is actually kind of the roster coming through in a very strange way, maybe too late, right? Mm. Of they, it's not that the team is used to losing because they're not, but I also think that that was kind of that gut punch moment. We saw it after the loss to Canada with Megan Rapinoe saying, we just didn't have our joy, right? So I think they did the balancing act of putting off the bigger questions until after this game, but but looking inside enough to say, who are we, right? Like, what is the actual fundamental nature of this team? That's how we need to play. Yeah. There are big legacy questions, of course there are, because what this will do, the Olympic tournament, despite the bronze, is it will force a change. It will, questions need to be asked about, you know, how this team moves on, the legacy of this team. Although, to be honest, Carly Lloyd and Megan Rapinoe look like they'll be quite happy to carry on playing for another cycle. I mean, they just look awesome, but there do have to be questions about where this team will be in two years, definitely. I, I, I think that we are going to see some big changes, and I think we are going to have to wait probably a couple of months. Again, we've got those, I think, four games that are packed into the schedule that are kind of intended to be a post-Olympics event. So you are going to get the Olympic roster there. So I think what we're really looking for is that that roster after that <laughs> to see, yeah. okay, who's getting called up? And and to be fair, it might be even larger too, right? Because now we're outside of the limitations of the Olympics. Yes. So, you know, maybe in November, December, you get bigger rosters, maybe a, an identification camp where you get a whole bunch of players in. So that way now like the work truly begins of the next cycle. But I think just generally across women's soccer as a whole, like, you know, Carly Lloyd hit, I think it was cap number 312 today 12, something like, like that yeah yeah the era of that is over <laughs> and i think yeah we've all known that right and so we're seeing the last uh, christine sinclair's in the same place right like but that is not really how teams are being built anymore and this is really i think kind of the last of players yeah. like that so that that's kind of again the work ahead over this next yeah. cycle but i i really think that we are going to see some significant changes over the the next cycle from the U.S. Women's National Team. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. That's the fab Meg Linehan, women's football writer for The Athletic. Okay, let's move on to the gold medal match. And the big news line today on this one, I thought it was so unlikely that it was going to be moved, I have to say. But player pressure, concerns about the state of the pitch in Tokyo as well mean that the women's final will now be played at 9pm local time in Yokohama. That's on Friday the 6th of August at 1pm UK time. Jen, let's pick up 
on this with you. Susie Rack at The Guardian leading the way, really, with the rumour mill around this one. And obviously, it's been deemed important enough that the final has been moved. It's a com- completely different time. Yeah, I just it's, a, it's good that they've done that, listening to concerns. What I don't understand is why it was even accepted in the first place. Yeah, purely true. because of US television it seemed, it's just such a weird thing I didn't You'd expect be them surprised, to change it this though, late either a lot of the swimming is based around US yeah. TV as well you, it, isn't, it isn't an uncommon thing but you're right when you take a seat back and think well look temperatures midday peak at 32 degrees what were they thinking of having an 11am uh, 11 11 local time kickoff? Alicia they were thinking what's your of response? money Kate well yeah no, I know but come off it yeah, look, but money talks, doesn't it? As And we know this. It must be based around that because the broadcast rights deals, that's where they have this agreement in place and assuming that, and they were assuming that the USA were going to be in that final. So that's all changed. Look, I, I appreciate the flexibility. I know it's very late for them to do that. I mean, it's, it was ludicrous to begin with. Let's all agree on that. But it's actually nice that some common sense has prevailed mm. and that they've moved it. And without fans, it becomes, it's, you know, the, logistically, it's not so difficult to, to rearrange. Yeah, they've also moved the men's bronze medal match, I believe, as well. Um, let's focus on what's going to happen on the pitch now that we know what time it's going to start. Uh, Sweden versus Canada. Goodness me. OK, uh, the two sides haven't met at this tournament. Sweden um, haven't had to go past 90 minutes at all. Canada have. Um, what do we think? Jen, what's your take? Well, Canada will do the usual, which is just try and nullify the opposition. It's it, You have to applaud their ability to do that and, and take opportunities as they as they get them. It, sometimes it can offer a bit of a, a stodgy um, something to watch, but it, at the same time, it's got them this far, whereas I expect Sweden to come out of the blocks quite quickly. Well, Canada will, will keep the centre of the park very congested. So it's going to be interesting to see particularly how their fullbacks in uh, Chapman and, and Lawrence handle the t- sort of three triple threat of, of yeah, Sweden going forward. The press of Sweden. Yeah. Friedelina yeah, Rolfo on the left and Jakobsen on, on the right will will test them. But the key player, I think, is going to be Aslani for, for Sweden. And she's going to be up against Des Scott. And if she can kind of pull the strings, and I expect Sweden to win it. I think most people do because they're the best team right throughout the tournament. Mm. They have the freshest players. They have good strength on the on the bench. And Peter Gerhardsen, after the, the World Cup, said, you have to leave a tournament having won your last game, and, and we will accept nothing less. Mm. And they did that in France. And it's good that the US did that, because it changes your mentality, and the, I expect them to do that tomorrow as well. I'm slightly upset, Jen, that we haven't heard any pearls from Peter Gerhardsen. He, he 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 almost gave us so much during the World Cup. I feel like he peaked then in terms of his brilliant post-match statements. I haven't heard nearly enough of that this time round. Yeah, he'll be happy that they're playing Canada though because he always plays music from the country they're playing against to his players before the game. <laughs> He's a massive Neil Young fan. So I think that's kind of going to be I quite simple say- for him. Avril Lavigne, Avril Lavigne. Just, just as a huge Avril Lavigne fan. He's, he's a big Bieber fan. Yeah, no, he looks Justin Bieber. Why does he do that, Jen? Why does he play music from the opposition's country? It's just the way, you know, he's always doing that. If you ask the players, he plays he plays music videos to the team a lot. Does he like play secret... the worst ones as kind of a form well, of ridicule? 
they always have a secret message in them. And, you know, there's quite a few that the players will say and we'll sit, we'll sit in there going, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what he means. Because he plays really quite <laughs> obtuse. He has quite a sort of eclectic interest in music. He's a huge music fan. When he moves to a new city or a new job, the first thing he does is check out the record shops. He's a fascinating bloke and they absolutely <laughs> love playing for him. And, and you cannot deny that he's up there for World Coach of the Year. And he oh, has yes. been, he's been phenomenal since he took yeah. over this team. And yeah. it's not this isn't a flash in the pan success overnight. This, is, this has been a progression for that Swedish yes. Yeah, actually, that absolutely, and he not in in the same sense that, and I know this as a player because it's very rare that you have this harmonious group of players and with the coach. And we had that with Tommy Samani because he never took life too seriously, even though the football was serious, of course. But he used to do things like when we went into a penalty shootout, and he said, "Right, we need to get this over and done because I need to get back and watch Wheel of Fortune." You know, like just <laughs> making light-hearted moments in very serious situations. And Gerhardson sounds like a similar character to that. You know, we want to do our job on the pitch, but let's let's all enjoy ourselves while we're doing it as well. Yeah. And I think that that really puts a level of calm on you and confidence through you as a as a player, and and also makes you want to give that extra 10%, 20% for that coach? Both teams would have progressed whatever happens. So Gerhardsen took over uh, Sweden women in 2017, I think. And obviously they got the bronze at the Women's World Cup. Canada have finished bronze the last two Olympic tournaments. They know that they're going to better that as well. So you feel like this is this is a great position for both teams to be in. But I think, I mean, do we expect Sweden to be a lot more clinical? Do we expect Sweden to to sort of play as they have done for most of the tournament, Jen? Yeah, I think I think you do expect that. There, there is has to always be an element of maybe they're, they're slightly more wary and slightly more defensive. And I felt that they they did that a little bit against Australia. But equally, I think that Gustafsson set up Australia to to thwart them in midfield, and, and he, they did do a good job of that until the energy sort of ran out and kind of dodgy goal. And we can argue about whether Kerr's goal should have stood yeah. or not. Although I've watched free kicks that. Um, the Matildas took right throughout the tournament and they did block the running defenders every time. So so that's what they got called out for. But looking forward, yeah, I, I expect Sweden to win this. I think that Stina Blackstenius was awful in the semi-final. She will not miss the chances that she missed but she in was, that semi-final. She, was, she sort of hobbled off in the game before, didn't she? So I was even debating whether she'd well, Hertig will happily come in and, and mm. take that mantle. They ha- Like I said, they have that strength and depth and they know their jobs. And it, it's it kind of, they make football look simple and that's what the best teams do. And also sexy as well. I actually really like how they play. I think it's... Even in it, that luminous shirt. <laughs> even, even, even though Lucky I have to put my sun specs on. Um, Alicia, Hi. what about you? So uh, Canada, how do Canada try and stop Sweden? I think it's exactly what Jen said. This is the thing about Canada. They know they're very aware of who they are and their style of play and that they can frustrate teams. And they do that very, very well. And people continue to underestimate them. And then they've still got one of the greatest goal scorers of all time, Christine Sinclair, and other threats. Look, I, I do agree. If we're looking at it on paper, across the board, Sweden are a better team. I think they have more attacking options. I think they have the ability for more players to score goals. I think Rolfo has been... <laughs> then they've got her, Rolfo, who can just spank goals in from 20 yards out. 
30 if she wants to as well. Um, they, you know, on measure on performance, you, you think they are going to have the tools to break down Canada no matter how congested Canada are going to make the middle of the pitch. Mm, I should note actually that Sweden were silver medalists in Rio, so they'll, they'll be hoping to go one better. I feel like that's what's going to happen. But as we've seen from today's game, team, teams can surprise us. Yeah, this also feels a bit like the, sorry, the Carolina Sega and Christine Sinclair final. You know, yes, two absolute legends, two legends of the game. Of the game. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. All right, so I think our money's firmly on Sweden, but let's see. As far as the offside rule Olympics edition sweepstake goes, it's myself as Canada versus producer Abby as Sweden, who will come out on top. We'll wait and see. We'll be broadcasting straight after the game as well, so you can get your final fill of Olympics football from us here at the Offside Rule as soon as that game is done on Friday. Um, thanks to both of you for joining me today. Do you, do you have a moment of the tournament so far, Jen? Because we're not going to speak to you again, ever. Well, I feel no, sort no, no, of we bit, are. <laughs> I feel sort of emotionally disengaged after the quarterfinals. I wonder why. Um, but the, my moment, <laughs> it was every time Sorry, Bob... <laughs> I'll, I'll let you off each. every time Barbara Banda got the ball for Zambia yes it was, incredible are you ready for it it was bandemonium in opposition defence <laughs> yes, yes I hope yes, I'll, uh, I hope yes, that's I'm in a She Kicks magazine uh, headline I tell you um, what about Team GB just, just briefly Jen because we've not had a chance to catch up with you so far um, from the slightly less emotional viewpoint that we have of it now um your takeaways from Team GB at this tournament and what happens now? Well, I think the the lack of playing together and time to play together and the build up maybe came back to to bite them. It's it what it is what it is though, and mm. and even in terms of just closing out the game, pe- people are very quick to point the finger about stuff. You know, it's it it is what it is. They lost the game. They made a, a slight error. They didn't close down. Everybody's pointing fingers at the defence and not being able to defend crosses, etc. From as an English point of view, but they're, they're saying like that's a recent thing. They would have won the World Cup every time they played in it, or the Euros yes, every if time. They'd have been if, able if, to if they were the, the best, exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's the same for any side. There are mistakes, and you must applaud the team that you come up against as well. You can't just point the finger and say yes. it was Team GB. We're good at doing that, aren't we? Serena Weigman obviously comes in next. And I think, I mean, how do we assess what Hegarese has done for the side and what does Serena Weigman have in her locker now to, to sort of try and mark, mark three England, I think, if uh, Phil Never was mark one and uh, Risa was mark two. Um, Hegarisa made them enjoy playing football again, and you could see that in the way they performed and the, the passing, the movement, etc. It was there was a little bit of joy back in there. Uh, they've got great players coming through. I mean, Lauren Hemp was they didn't lose with her on the field. Remember, no, no. there may be that we have to move on to a slightly newer generation because that under twenty World Cup team that won bronze in France. There's some phenomenal players in that group. You say that Serena Wiegmann will perhaps sort out the defence or people are saying that um, the Dutch team didn't defend very well at no, the Olympics <laughs> if you're looking at I, the number of goals I did it. make that point too I was like hmm okay but but the, tactically very very aware and so is a, a assistant who's coming in and mentality wise that's that's where she's excellent and that's how they won a, a home Euros in the Netherlands and that's what you have to hope she can translate to the England side going forward to next year 
Yeah, well, that's it. All of our teams are out, ladies, but uh, we do have Sweden versus Canada around the corner. Alicia Ferguson, thank you so much for joining us. You've been a great part of this Olympics edition. You've given us all nicknames. <laughs> now Jen's got one too, and we now know all of the player nicknames for the Matildas as well, thanks to you. Uh, so thanks to Jen O'Neill. Thanks to Alicia Ferguson for joining me today. Don't forget you can get a subscription to The Athletic, 33% off by heading to theathletic.com forward slash offside. That works out at £3.33 per month, and that gives you access to all of The Athletic's great football content and all of our podcasts and the other Athletic podcasts ad-free as well. There's Olympic content up on offsiderallpodcast.com to a breakdown of uh, most of the games there and also players to watch out for as well and the offside rule will uh, continue via the website and of course via our socials until the season begins again not too far away now that's it so from myself Kate Borsay Jenna Neal and Alicia Ferguson signing off for now one more to go at this Tokyo 2020 Olympics you've been listening to the offside rule Olympics edition part of the athletic podcast network listen ad free on the athletic app and keep up to date with everything Offside Rule by going to at Offside Rule Pod on Twitter and Insta. Find out the latest subscription offers at theathletic.com forward slash offside. The Offside Rule Olympics edition is an Athletic Media Company production. The Athletic.